Elements is created on the traditional lands of the Wajak Noongar people. We would like to pay respects to elders, past, present and emerging. A delicious glass of cold icy water on a hot summer's day. You can't get better than that. I looked down at my glass that was once filled with tap water from the kitchen sink and I thought about something that I never really thought about beforehand. Where the heck did that water come from? I mean, yeah, it came from the tap from the kitchen sink, but where did that tap water come from? You know, we always hear it on the news. We're in a water crisis. We have to save our water. We have to be water wise. But what do these things actually mean? Will we even have the possibility of drinkable water in the next 50 to 100 years from now? Hi everyone, this is Elements, where we investigate how people of Western Australia and our environment is shaped by the natural elements. In this season, we're going to be talking all about water. I'm your host, Crystal Moore, and in this episode, I'm going to be exploring the future of drinking water. Let's begin by asking people if they know where Perth's drinking water comes from. So do you know where Perth's drinking water comes from? No idea. Not really sure. No, I don't know. Yes, I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure it's desalinated water that um, gets pumped into Mundaring Weir, which is a dam, kind of a bit inland. Um, and I'm pretty sure it used to be rainwater. We used to fill up the weir with rainwater. Um, and I think it now, from based on natural rainwater, it gets like 10 to 30% of what it used to. So we have desal water. I think. I think some of it comes from underground aquifers, some from desalination and a little bit from dams in Mundaring. Hmm. So there seems to be a few mixed ideas of where our water might come from. But according to the research that I've done, I found that around 45% of Perth's drinking water comes from desalination, about 40% comes from groundwater, 10% comes from dams and 4% comes from groundwater replenishment. Let's break these water sources down and begin by understanding what these water sources actually mean. Okay, firstly, let's break each of these water sources down. So 40% of Perth's drinking water comes from desalination. Let's begin by understanding what desalination is. What is desalination? Desalination is essentially taking salty water, usually from the ocean, and removing the salt from it and the other impurities to make it fit for people to drink. That was Dave Kelly, who is the Water Minister for WA. I also met up with Ella Meekan, who is an environmental engineer and is currently doing a PhD in the mine closure area, more specifically focusing on groundwater. I asked her how she would define groundwater. So what is groundwater? Yeah, so essentially groundwater is any surface water that has come into groundwater contact. So water that fills spaces and accumulates in cracks and pores beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. That's essentially the definition. The other 10% is from dams, which we get from rainfall. And the 3% comes from groundwater replenishment. 
I also asked Fabiana Teslia, who has specialized in wastewater recovery for over two decades, about groundwater replenishment. What is groundwater replenishment? They take the treated wastewater and then they further treat it in a very, very sophisticated process to remove everything for it becomes even more, even cleaner than drinking water. It's very, very high standards of cleaning. And that is injected back into the aquifer. That's what they call the, the replenishment, yeah. So now that I know a little bit more about our current drinking water supply and sources, I wanted to find out more about our past drinking water sources. I want to know if they've changed so that I can understand more about the future of our drinking water. Uh, I've lived in Perth all my life. When I grew up uh, in the 70s and 80s, we used to get virtually all our drinking water uh, from rainfall. Uh, it would rain every winter. We've got dams in the hills. We would get about 400 billion litres of water on average uh, run into our dams each year. Uh, and that was essentially Perth's drinking water. While I was having a conversation with Dave Kelly, we talked about all things water and he gave me some really great insights into what the future of drinking water might look like in the next 50 to 100 years from now. Yeah, I. I consider myself really lucky to be the water minister uh, so yeah I find it uh, I find it fascinating. Just to reiterate what Dave was talking about earlier he was saying that back in the 70s and 80s that's around 40 to 50 years ago Perth actually used to have 400 billion litres of water that just fell from the sky each year which supplied most of the population in Perth with their drinking water. Nowadays, we don't even get half of that. Now, to uh, a billion litres of water, to put that in context, uh, Optus Stadium, if you filled that up with water, that's about a billion litres of water. So 400 Optus Stadiums worth of water would fall out of the sky every, every winter, fill up our dams, uh, and that essentially, when you turn on the tap, it would run down the hill and, th and that was it. Climate change has changed that dramatically. Uh, now, if we're lucky, if we get 70 billion litres of water uh, run into our dams in the winter, uh, we're doing well. So that's about a it's about an 80 percent reduction in rainfall into our dams because of because it doesn't rain in Perth the way it used to, and that's a direct result of climate change. To paint a picture of how much 400 billion litres of water is, I did some calculations of my own. So, I thought about the most generic water holding capsule you can think of, a bathtub. Usually when I make myself a bath, I always think to myself, my goodness, this is a lot of water. But how much water is in a full bathtub? And I found the answer. For a standard bathtub, it can fit up to 180 litres of water if you fill it up all the way to the top. Now, I have to get my maths games ready. How many bathtubs can I fit into the Optus Stadium? As the third largest stadium in Australia after the Melbourne MCG and Sydney Stadium Australia, the Optus Stadium fits 60,000 seats, but would also fit five and a half million bathtubs. Full bathtubs to the brim. Now times that by 400 and you would get over 2.2 billion bathtubs of water that used to fall out of the sky every year. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a lot of water. 
To put that into perspective, that's almost the equivalent of the whole population of China and India put together. Nowadays, if we're lucky, we only get around 70 billion litres of water each year, which is basically the equivalent to 388 million bathtubs, which accounts for the whole population of the United States. Although it still seems like a lot, there's actually been an 80% decrease in rainfall in the past 40 to 50 years due to climate change. Now we only use 10% of water from rainfall in our dams as a source of drinking water. So you can see from you know, the 70s and 80s for you know, 100, 200 years, we relied on rainfall. Climate change dramatically changed that. Uh, now rainfall is only about 10% of what we, what we drink. The rest of it comes from desalination, uh, groundwater and now recycled water. In terms of the future of drinking water, what do you think is the future of drinking water in the next 50 to 100 years from now? Well, I think there's two things that will feature prominently. One is I think desalination is only going to grow. Uh, we have desalination for drinking water in Perth, but I think it's likely in other major um, uh, towns and cities uh, in Western Australia will will need to look at desalination. So whether it be places like Albany and Bunbury and Gerald and Carrabba, those places over the next, certainly over the next 100 years. The other uh, source of water will be recycled water. Okay, let's talk about desalination because we brought it up so many times. What is desalination? Desalination is essentially taking salty water, usually from the ocean, and removing the salt from it and the other impurities to make it fit for people to drink. Obviously, when you go to the beach, you can't drink the water. It would make you sick. So um, in order to make that water healthy enough for people to drink, uh, the salt has to be removed. And that's essentially what desalination is. It's removing the salt and other impurities to make uh, salty water fit for people to drink. What process does seawater go through to make it easy or accessible for Perth to drink its water? It's a, well, it's a process called reverse osmosis, which essentially, as I say, we've got two desalination plants in Perth, one at Kwanana, one at Binning Up. There's an ocean intake, so the, ocean, the, the, the water is, is brought in uh, to the plant. Uh, it's initially screened just so that if there is sand or seaweed or any, any other large particles in that water, they're initially screened out. And then essentially the water is squeezed through a membrane, a really tiny membrane, uh, small enough uh, so that small particles that are actually dissolved in the water, like the salt, are separated uh, and the fresh water pops out the other side of the membranes. So it's about 50% of the water is uh, turned into fresh water. And so the other 50% then becomes hypersaline, so super salty, and that's, that's returned uh, back out into the ocean and it goes through diffusers. So that obviously if you, if you, if you just kept putting really salty water back in, into the ocean, then there's, um, you have to be careful that you're not adversely impacting, for example, the seaweed 
of seagrass or the fish um, because even they only can tolerate a certain level of salt. Uh, so there's diffusers which make sure that that salt is returned to the ocean, that salty water is returned to the ocean in a way that doesn't imp impact the environment. And that other 50% of water, um, which is now fresh water, becomes part of our drinking water. Now, um, ironically, the water that comes out of that process is actually too pure for us to drink. So there's actually some dissolved uh, minerals that have to be put back into the water to make it uh, healthy for us to drink, um, which sort of sounds a bit peculiar, but the, the water that comes straight out of that uh, reverse osmosis plant uh, is actually too, too pure for us to drink. So we then have to add a few things to make it more like the, the water that we would normally drink in our natural environment. But that's, that's really what it is. It's squeezing uh, the seawater through um, uh, a membrane which separates out uh, the salt. That loud noise that you hear behind me is the sounds of water churning within the desalination plant in Kunano. The sound you hear is the sound of the reverse osmosis machine churning the seawater into clean, safe, drinkable water we drink from our taps. So what is it about desalination that makes it so important for the future of Perth's drinking water? What are the bad side effects? What are the good side effects? Can you tell me a little bit more about it? The only downside of the process, um, it, what's good about desalination is it's very reliable. So as far as replacing our rainwater that we used to rely on for our drinking water, desalinating uh, seawater is very reliable because we can run those plants 24 7 365 days of the year and we know pretty much exactly how much fresh water we're going to get at the end of it the only downside is it's really energy intensive so the thing about desalination is that it needs a lot of energy to make the drinkable water we all know and love it uses a massive chunk of electricity which means it uses the burning of fossil fuels to create that energy and since we all know that the burning of fossil fuels is one of the major causes of climate change, that means that if we continue to use desalination in the same way we always have, this could lead to some major detrimental impacts on our environment. Actually, since we've been using desalination, the Water Corporation's carbon dioxide emissions have shot up like a hockey stick especially in comparison to when we were just relying on rain and dams for our water source. But luckily for us, the Water Corp are building not only a third desalination plant, but are also aiming to power all desalination plants with 100% renewable energy by 2025. This means that instead of using fossil fuels, they'll be going to be replacing all energy with wind and solar energy, which is pretty cool if you ask me. How much water or how much desalinated water are we drinking? I guess you kind of said that, 40%, right? Yeah, it's about 45% desal. I, mean, I, can, I can give you some figures on how much drinking water uh, individuals in Perth consume. Let's go with that. If you ask the average person how much water does your, do you consume as an individual uh, each, um, each day, people probably say, I don't know, 20 litres if I have a shower or maybe a little bit more if I wash, the, wash my clothes. 
on average, it's actually 268 litres of water per person. Uh, that's during winter. In summer, it actually goes up to 481 kilolitres per person. Now, I can see by the look on your face that you're surprised by that. Most people are. Most people got no idea how much water they actually consume. Now, in Perth, uh, we households use about half the water that they have, half the water that they consume uh, outside of the house, so on their gardens, for example. In Perth, we put a lot of water on our gardens. So that, uh, and that's hundreds of litres every day, especially in, in summer. What people don't understand is that it, things like a, uh, even taking a, taking a shower, an old-fashioned shower head can use up to 28 litres per minute, per minute. So that's why we encourage people to have water-wise shower heads, which uh, now, um, the one I use at home, I think it's nine litres per minute. You can get them down to six litres per minute. So even if you have a three-minute shower, nine litres per minute, you've used 27 litres of water just from having a shower. Most people would be really shocked by that. If you clean your teeth for three minutes under the shower uh, and you're, you're using a 28 litre per minute shower head, just think how much water you're using. So people actually use a lot more water than you, than you think. So that's why we say to people, you know, have a three or four minute shower, make sure your appliances are water wise water wise shower head, dual flush toilet. Um, you know, uh, I think most dual flush toilets, half a flush is six litres of um, six liters of water. So every time you flush the toilet, even with a half flush, that's six, if you think of a litre Coke bottle of water, six of those down, down the toilet. It's actually a lot of water. So, you know, desalination's expensive, groundwater is precious the cheapest and most efficient way for us to um, have more water to use is not to waste it in the first place. So every, uh, every time you um, have a short, you know, a, a four minute shower instead of a 10 minute shower, uh, you know, when you make sure that you only water your garden on uh, the two days a week that you, you're allocated during uh, during summer, you're actually doing a really good thing, not just you know for your own household bill, but you're doing it for the whole community because you know we use a lot of water. As I said, even in winter, 268 liters per person per day. The more water we can save, the less water we have to desalinate, the lower people's water bills will be. That is insane. I'm just looking at you like. God's you, you think I've up. made all that up, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I but think that's crazy. Yeah, crazy, you know, crazy. people say, oh, look, I love my old shower head. 28 litres of water per minute to have a shower. And if you stand under there for 10 minutes and, you know, you clean your teeth for three minutes while you're doing it, it's an enormous amount of water. We, we do live in a, in a city on the edge of a desert being impacted by climate change, but... We've, we've grown up thinking water is, is always going to be there. We just need to think of it as being really quite precious. Precious, absolutely. I mean, ever since researching all about water, 
it's insane it's insane how much we don't even think about it when it is so necessary to our lives and and every little thing that a resident does Mm. affects the whole community as a whole and it's insane to hear that insane (laughs) and look we we really appreciate the fact that most people have you've probably heard the term water wise that's a a term that we've been using now in Perth for the last 20-25 years the whole idea that we need to be water wise is something that the vast majority of the community have really taken on board. I mean, occasionally people write me nasty letters saying, why, don't, why can't we use more water and you know, water's plentiful and all that sort of stuff. But the vast majority of people get the idea that climate change is real, that water is precious and we have to look after it. And I, I really appreciate that. Because of global warming, are we in a water crisis? As far as our drinking water goes, had we not made the decisions we made in the 70s and 80s, we probably would have been in a crisis. We would have, if we continued to rely on water from our dams only, we would have literally run out of water. We're not going to run out of water because essentially you can desalinate as much water as, as you like from the ocean uh, but it's a costly it's a costly option. So climate change. Some people talk about climate change as if it's a problem that's going to hit us in the future. You know, arguably you can see various places around the world where it is an immediate threat. But here in Perth, it has been an immediate cost to our drinking water supply. We have spent billions of dollars making that transition from cheap water that falls out of the sky into our dams through to groundwater and now to desalination. So we're not in a crisis in the sense that we're going to run out of water, but certainly uh, climate change in particular around Australia, around the world, and in particular in the southwest of Western Australia has, um, has severely depleted the amount of water available to us from rainfall and we're having to spend a significant amount of money to make the changes to deal with that, uh, certainly as far as drinking water goes. Right now, water's pretty inexpensive in terms of how the people in residential areas get water. So when we are to move more to desalination, will the people in residential areas have to pay more for their drinking water? Well, you're right in saying that desalination is um, a more expensive option than than dams. Uh, desalination at the moment, it's about 2 to $3 a kilolitre, so every 1,000 litres um, of water is 2 to $3. Now, that's at least double what it costs us to get water that simply falls out of the sky into our dam. So it is more expensive. So it is a cost, and at the moment, uh, that's a cost that every taxpayer um, has to pay for. Because the Water Corporation is owned by the government, it's actually the government that sets the price of the water. I'll give you an example. In Kalgoorlie, it costs about $14 per kilolitre to get that water from Perth to Kalgoorlie but people in Kalgoorlie pay the same price for that water as if someone lived in Perth. And that's because the government is subsidising the water in Kalgoorlie. 
there's a really interesting story about Kalgoorlie and how they get their water from Perth. So a few of you may have already heard about the Kalgoorlie Pipeline, also known as the Goldfields Pipeline. What's interesting about it is its length, yes, but also the engineer who built it. C.Y. O'Connor, his full name, Charles Yelverton O'Connor, was one of the great engineers who helped in coming up with the plans to build one of the longest pipelines in the world. The pipeline stretches over 560 kilometres from the Mundaring Weir, and to put that into perspective, that's a six and a half hour drive from the Weir to Kalgoorlie. Now, just before the pipeline was to finish, C.Y. O'Connor committed suicide. Now, this is just an urban myth which says that C.Y. O'Connor took his own life because while building the pipeline, he was overworked under intense pressure and criticism, which led him down a spiral of depression, which then led him to his unfortunate death. It's a very sad story, but what might be even sadder is that C.Y. O'Connor was not able to live to see the full effects of climate change and what that meant for our water supply. What he couldn't foreseen is that rather than the pipeline carrying rainwater from the Mundaring Weir as C.Y. O'Connor envisioned years ago, the Kalgoorlie pipeline now pumps desalinated water from the Indian Ocean. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to live to see its full potential. Humans aren't going to die of thirst, but the lack of water due to climate change is changing our landscape. I'd like to give you an example of what Dave means by this. So let's take the native Western Australian red and green kangaroo paw plant, which by the way is WA's floral emblem, and use it to understand how much water our native plants need. The Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Agriculture and Food recommend that we use one to two litres of water during cooler months and two to four litres during the hotter months. This is the amount recommended for each plant per day. If we think about it per year, we would need between 365 litres to 1,460 litres of water for each kangaroo paw plant per year. Now, imagine hectares of these thirsty plants combined with low rainfall. Although we have the technology to make sure that we have fresh drinkable water for us humans to drink, it's unlikely that we will be able to continually use desalination to keep plants in our landscape alive. So that means that the landscape has to change in accordance to weather patterns. That's the challenge that we are now facing. Okay, so I feel like I've learned a bunch from my conversation with Dave and he's definitely cleared up some of my questions around the future of drinking water. So, from his perspective, Perth's drinking water is steering towards desalination and recycled water. Although Dave gave me some great insights into the future of desalinated water as a source of drinking water, I wanted to do a little bit more digging into finding out what recycled groundwater is and if this means that we will be drinking sewage water in the future. If you'd like to join me on my journey to finding out the future of drinking water in Perth, then follow us for part two that will be up next week. But before I leave, I wanted to ask you one last question. Would you drink sewage water?
Thank you all so much for joining me on this episode today. I hope I see you all next time. Bye for now. This episode of Elements was produced by Crystal Moore. Executive producers are and original music was written by Elements is brought to you by Particle. To find out more about all the weird and wonderful science happening in Western Australia, visit particle.scitech.org.au or follow us on social media at ParticleWA.